church family. If I've not had the privilege to meet you, I'm Mark Gothier, and I have the joy of serving as one of the pastors on staff. Before we launch into our look at God's Word, I just want to make you aware of another wonderful opportunity to serve. We have uh, five Easter services coming up over Easter Sunday, and we're looking to ask you to, to sit in one service and to serve in another service. So lots of opportunities to work with youth, to be a part of the host team, to be a part of the security team and all of that. As you know, a lot of folks attend church on Easter that don't normally, and for them to be received by the love of Christ is really a, a wonderful opportunity. Well, we continue through our sermon series, King, Servant Heart, Kingdom Mind, which is a study of the, the Gospel of Mark. And this morning, we've got a wonderful passage of a story about a man who's called Blind Bartimaeus. But before we start into our passage, just a little test for you this morning. So are you ready, church family? Cover your right eye. Read the second line. The third line. All right, well done. I don't hear some of you. That means you probably have 2070 visions. So I just had my eyes checked. And I was really surprised that my far-sighted vision was actually 2015. Now that is because of refractive eye surgery. I was 2150 until they did that thing on your eyeballs and made them all better. You say, why are you wearing glasses? Well, the nearsighted thing, I'm growing fur on all my letters on the pages of books and everything. So that's where I need some help. It's tough. Eyesight is an important thing. And when it deteriorates or gone altogether, it's really a, a tough thing. But as important as physical eyesight is, do you know that you, all of us, have two forms of sight? We have physical sight, but we also look at things with spiritual eyes. So we could be physically blind, but we could also be spiritually blind. Now, I know no one came here, as far as I'm aware, with a white cane and dark glasses or a, a seeing eye dog, but we can be just as blind to the spiritual things that we don't see the, the reality of who Jesus is, his love and his redeeming purposes for our lives. And today we're going to look at a man by the name of Bartimaeus. And though he was physically blind, he had better spiritual eyesight than anybody else around him when this story was shared with us. He possessed the eyes of faith. And with the eyes of his heart, he saw who Jesus really was. So let's take a look at our text this morning, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, starting at verse 46. This is the Word of God. And they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him and telling him to be silent. And he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped and said, call him. And they called the blind man saying to him, take heart, get up. He is calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. 
And as Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him along the way. And as we think about what it means to have the eyes of faith this morning, is first off, we must look at Jesus with desperate eyes. And what desperate eyes do is they actually acknowledge the fact that they are spiritually blind. A few weeks ago, Pastor Jim shared with us a message called Radical Discipleship. And you could call this message this morning, Desperate Discipleship. And our text has this blind man, Bartimaeus, and this is actually Jesus' last miracle of healing before he dies on the cross. And it's unique that we get the name of Bartimaeus because nowhere else in the Gospels is a name given for someone who has been healed. And Matthew and Luke also give us the story. And within a week of this encounter between Jesus and Bartimaeus, Jesus is dead dying for our sins upon the cross. And he's passing through Jericho, which is about an eight-hour journey by foot to get Jerusalem for his final mission. For a blind person in Jesus' day, that was not easy. There was no means for a blind person to make a living, and about all that they could do would be begging, dependent upon the mercy and the goodwill of other people. All he could hope for was enough for a few scraps of food, and he was truly living a day-to-day existence. And to add to the hardship, those that were disabled or handicapped were also often looked at as being under the judgment of God. What did they do wrong to deserve this very thing? Bartimaeus was one of that society's invisible people. And our story occurs just a few days before Passover, the highest holy day for the Jews. And that was a good day for a beggar, actually. The foot traffic increased, and people were generally in a little bit more charitable mood, so you might get a few more coins to make it through the day or even a couple of days. And what's amazing about Bartimaeus is that he was a man physically blind but with eyes of faith. He was seeing things better than most people at that moment. Blind people often have incredible sense of hearing because they have to rely on their other senses. And as he is on his roadside, hoping for the generosity of the crowd, all of a sudden he hears the word that Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. Now, there's nothing especially unique of using the of somewhere. It really just connected a person to a place, kind of like Alice of Atlanta or Sam of Seattle. You know where they were from. But for Bartimaeus, what he was doing is he was crying out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And Son of David was not just a phrase to help ground you to great-great-grandfathers. When he used the term Son of David, he was referring to Jesus as the Messiah, the one who had come to set his people free from their sins. In the book of Isaiah, it actually talks about when the Son of David comes, he would restore sight to the blind. And when Jesus inaugurated his ministry, he went into a synagogue He opened up the scroll of Isaiah and read these words. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to captives and recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who were oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. 
And that is exactly what Jesus did. In the Gospels, we see him do acts of healing about nine times, sometimes individuals and sometimes as groups of people. And there probably were many more because at the end of the Gospel of John, they said if we recorded all the things that Jesus had done, all of the books in the world could not contain them. So Bartimaeus, the blind man, saw Jesus for who he was. And his vision is an example for us to strive to look at 2020 vision of who God is. But how easy it is to be blind to the things of God. Some people could literally be as blind spiritually as this young boy is physically. Just cannot see the things of God. Jesus said, For judgment I came into the world so that those who do not see may see, and those who see may become blind. And Jesus called the religious leaders of his day blind guides who were leading the blind. And the Apostle Paul, in a, in a profound way, says, The God of this world has blinded the eyes of the unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the glory of the gospel of Christ. And we can look around and say, what a blind world. They just cannot see. But what Luke wants us to see here, and Jesus as well, that we are all blind beggars in the eyes of God. Not only can we be blind to Jesus as Savior, but we can be blind to him as Lord as well. Even his disciples had lapses of spiritual blindness where they lost the gaze of who Christ was. Jesus asked Peter, Peter, who do you say that I am? Well, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Well done, Peter, you got it. And then Jesus talks about the fact that he must die on the cross for his sins. And Peter rebukes Jesus and he says, get behind me, Satan. Even the disciples, even his closest friends that spent the most time with him had lapses of blindness. This is what he said to his disciples. Do you not yet perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember? Jesus wants us to see with eyes of faith. And the crazy thing about this is sometimes when we think we can see, we are in fact blind. And Jesus actually challenged and rebuked the whole church in the book of Revelation because of this condition. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. We must acknowledge the fact that you and I entered this life spiritually blind. And we cannot see Jesus apart from who he is, but by crying out for him and asking him to give us eyes to see. And to realize even when we see him, our eyesight can deteriorate and we forget who he is. And so to have eyes to see, we need to acknowledge our need for mercy. Bartimaeus cries out in a loud voice, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. What did that mean? Why would someone cry out that cry? What were they hoping to receive by that? You see, to have mercy means to feel sympathy with the misery of another, especially such sympathy with which manifests itself in action. 
And when someone cries for mercy, you know they are in a place of deep need and they are unashamed of that need that they have. And what motivates them to cry out is to know that someone before them has the possibility to give them the very thing that they so desperately need. During Operation Desert Storm, I heard stories of Iraqi soldiers surrendering to U.S. soldiers. And they had been fed propaganda of what would happen if they were to do this. And instead of violence and punishment, they received grace, mercy, food, water, and kindness. In Star Wars, Episode 4, <laughs> Princess Leia pleads to General Kenobi for help in their struggle against the Empire. The holographic message, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope. Now, I know the danger of this illustration, it'll be the only thing that Pastor Tome remembers, so pray for him <laughs> that, he gets, that he gets the rest of the message as well. But just like Obi-Wan cried out, help me, Jesus, you are my only hope. And the beautiful thing that Bartimaeus was fully aware of, he was calling out to the one who would give him the very thing that he longed for. What was true for him is also true for us because of who God is, the God of mercy. Paul says in 2 Corinthians, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction. Isn't that amazing? You and I can cry out to God in our deepest need and know that our prayers are not hitting the ceiling. They're not bouncing off of deaf ears. They are lovingly heard by your Father in heaven who has adopted you as a beloved daughter and beloved son. And he invites you to call him Abba, Papa, Daddy. This is your God of mercy. Moses on Mount Sinai encountered God in a powerful way. It says, The Lord descended in the cloud and stood with him there, and proclaimed the name of the Lord. The Lord passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and kindness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression of sin. God's name is merciful. And to say the name of God as mercy means it is central to his character and who he is. When you cry out, God, have mercy on me, you are calling out to the God whose name is mercy. In the Gospel of Luke chapter 18, Jesus tells a story of a Pharisee and a tax collector coming together in the synagogue to pray. And the Pharisee was a part of the religious elite and his prayer was almost posturing bragging about his comparative goodness compared to all of the other people. And this tax collector is in the back of the synagogue. He wouldn't even raise up his eyes, just beating his chest, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Bartimaeus was asking for God's mercy in the same way. And Martin Luther tells us that we need to take God's mercy personally. He says this, the religion of the Bible lies in the right use of personal pronouns. I, me, mine, yours, you. Anyone can say the Lord is shepherd 
But faith, however, says the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And it is Bartimaeus' bold use of pronouns that he finds salvation. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Rabboni, I want to see. Jesus, son of David, do this for me. And Jesus responds, your faith has saved you, not faith has saved you. Your faith has saved you. And it was, and it is directly personal as that, have mercy on me. And Luther goes on, who is this me? Even I, Martin Luther, a wretched and condemned sinner. This word me is full of saving faith. Yes, me, even me, who am such a wretched and miserable sinner. Say me with all your marked and print this pronoun indelibly upon your heart. And to have the eyes of faith, we not only need to look at Jesus with desperate eyes, we need to look at Jesus with determined eyes as well. And determined eyes have a tenacious faith. Tenaciousness is an urgent persistence. A persistent person is someone who's asking for the point of something, even to the place of being troublesome. And Jesus tells a story. Suppose a man goes to a friend's house at night and asks for some loaves to feed an unexpected guest. The friend refuses, saying, I'm already asleep. I can't get out of bed. Leave me alone. But the man doesn't give up. He keeps knocking and keeps knocking. And Jesus finally says, I tell you, though, he will not get up and give him anything because he is his friend. Yet because of his impudence, he will rise and give him whatever he needs. Bartimaeus saw Jesus, a blind man with the eyes of faith, cries out with hope. But what's the first thing he hears? Shut up, Bartimaeus. They rebuked him for calling out for help. Sometimes the disciples did this as well. They were running screening operations to keep people who needed to see who Jesus was from him in the first place. Now just imagine what this would be like. Here comes your only hope. You cry out and reach up a hand and you get your hand slapped away. How easy it would be just to go back to your place begging and to get back to a place of hopelessness. But what does Bartimaeus do? <laughs> he just cranks up the volume. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. You aren't shutting me up, you people. Charles Spurgeon spoke about, spoke about this kind of prayer in this way. Bulldoggedness for God. Take the gates of heaven and shake them with your vehemence as though you would pull them up post and door and all. Stand and mercy's door and take no denial. Knock and knock and knock again as though you would shake the very spheres. But what you would obtain, an answer to your cries. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and violent take it by force. Cold prayers never win God's ear. Draw your bow with your full strength, and if you would send your arrow up so high is heaven. It's a kind of faith that God calls us to, and it's one the Puritans called importunity. It's praying like a pit bull, biting down on something and not letting go until the Lord gives you the answer of what he desires to give you. Praying to the point of pestering, locking on to that target with awesome determination. The eyes of faith also have a hopeful 
faith. What makes someone tenacious in their prayers? It's a hope. A hope that they are addressing the one that can give them the very thing that they're desiring to do so much. So what was Jesus' response to this stubborn man? And Jesus stopped. That is so beautiful. Jesus stopped. Now, if I was the director of a movie about Jesus and I was doing this scene, I would have a camera on the sandaled feet of Jesus as he was walking along. And you hear the the din of the crowd that is making its noise. And then just above the crowd, you hear a voice saying, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And I picture the, the motion slowing down and those sandaled feet stopping in a little cloud of dust. And the feet pivot and something beautiful happens. Now, this is really remarkable because Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. He was walking the path of his crucifixion. And how easy for someone to be so overwhelmed by the mission to say, don't bother me, I'm on my way, moving like a snowplow. But what did Jesus do to the cry of mercy? He stopped. He stopped. The Savior who would die for our sins was the one who stopped because of a man cried out for mercy. And to know that Jesus stops for you as well. Daniel Aiken said that he was teaching his disciples the art of stopping. Cry out to Jesus with persistent hope in your prayers and know that he is a God who stops for you. The Psalms talk about this form of prayer as crying out. In Psalm 22, to you they cried out and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. For he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, and he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. The beauty of these types of prayers is that they are heard by a merciful God and they are an anchor for our souls. Jesus will stop and listen for you. And after the cry and the stopping, what does Jesus say? Call him. And now all these folks that were telling him to shut up says, now take heart, he's calling you. Come to Jesus. Jesus is the God who not just calls, but he calls people by name. He knows you. Before you were formed in your mother's womb, he knew you. And he hears your cry. So the third thing for us to have eyes of faith is we have to look at Jesus with devoted eyes. And devoted eyes see Jesus as our Lord. In response to Jesus' call, what does Bartimaeus do? He throws off his cloak and moves to Jesus. Now that cloak was probably one of the only things a poor blind beggar possessed, and he would lay out that cloak with the hopes that the change would be laid on that cloak. And can you imagine a blind man trying to backtrack to find a cloak and change? It probably got stolen while he was there. But none of it matters to Bartimaeus. Jesus is calling and he is moving out to him. And he asks him this beautiful question. What do you want me to do for you? What a grace and hope-filled question. The Messiah, the Son of God, is responding to Bartimaeus. Now, if you were here last weekend, you remember Pastor Tome 
talking about Jesus asking a similar question. And two of his disciples, James and John, tee up and say, Master, we want you to do whatever we ask you. And their response showed vain, greedy, self-serving hearts. When I was serving as the senior chaplain for a two-star command, I was giving him a monthly office call and a briefing about the health and the welfare of the command. And he'd asked a few questions, and then at the very end, he looks at me and says, Mark, what can I do for you? Now, that's a sweet question when a general asks you, what can I do for you? Could have been tempted to say a lot of things. How about a stellar evaluation report? Could I have a follow-on assignment to Hawaii? That would be really awesome. How about a really sexy medal to put on my uniform? That would be great. But fortunately, when he asked the question, it provided me the opportunity to ask for his help and support to go to Iraq and Afghanistan to visit our deployed chaplains and do care to the caregiver and see how the, the, the leaders and the troops were doing. And guess what? Because that commanding general said, make it happen. All of the red tape got split and all of the doors opened and we were able to do that. So Bartimaeus is asked the same question. He replies, Rabbi, let me receive my sight. He wants something so simple that most of us took it for granted when we woke up this morning. But so life-changing when you have it. And the beauty of what brought him to this encounter was it was his spiritual eyesight that brought him to Jesus so he could receive his physical eyesight. He cried out for mercy and he got it. And when Bartimaeus cried out to Jesus, the original Greek uses the term rabboni, not rabbi, which literally means my master, my Lord. He was professing his faith in Jesus. And what does Jesus say? Your faith has made you well. And that phrase, made you well, is very interesting. In the Greek of the New Testament, it's just one word, the word sozo. And it has the basic meaning of rescuing someone from great peril, to keep from harm, to heal, or to preserve. But also it talks about rescue from spiritual death, judgment, and sin. And in a few places, that word actually means both things at the same time. One example in Luke chapter 17, 10 lepers go to Jesus and ask for mercy. And Jesus says, go show yourself to the priests. And as they go, they are healed, but then only one comes back to thank Jesus for this. And Jesus says, where are the nine? And then he says to this one man, your faith has saved you as well as healed you. And I think the very same thing is happening when Jesus is saying this to Bartimaeus. There's a spiritual and a physical work that's taking place. Fanny Crosby was a famous hymn writer who wrote over 8,000 hymns. And due to a medical mistake as a child, she lost her eyesight. And once a preacher wanting to console her saying, isn't it sad that God has given you so many gifts, but he doesn't give you the gift of eyesight. And her response is amazing. She said if she had one wish in this life, it was that she wished that she could have been born blind. Because she said this, because when I get to heaven, the first face that shall ever gladden my sight will be that of my Savior. Now those that see Jesus with the eyes of faith also make Jesus' way 
our way. See, after Jesus heals the man, he says, go your way, your faith has made you well. And what does Bartimaeus do? Immediately he gets up and starts following Jesus. You see, authentic faith has feet attached to it. If you are believing in the Lord, you are moving in the direction of the Lord and you are merging your life with his. And Luke even says that he went along the way glorifying God. Now, if you were blind and you were healed, think of all that you might do. Pardon the dad humor there, but if I was healed of my blindness, I think I might want to go sightseeing. Wouldn't you want to look in the face of those that you love? Wouldn't you want to see the, the beauty of a sunset? Just the joy of watching children play around you. But Bartimaeus was content that the one person that he wanted to look at was Jesus and to follow him. And remember, he was only seven days before he was crucified. And what awesome and awful things that Bartimaeus would see as he walked this way. Some believe that Bartimaeus' name is given because he has a significant role to play in the early church. What a gift the man with eyes of faith now received his physical sight from the one who was his Lord and Savior and healer. Now, what does that look like when someone models the eyes of faith in a powerful and amazing way? Recently, World Magazine shared the story of Nightbird. I know Pastor Tome shared about her in the summertime, but it's worth going back to her life. Her name is Jane Marzuski, known as Nightbird, and she stole the hearts of Americans on last year's America's Got Talent. Standing before Simon Cowell and the other judges, she shared the story that she had terminal cancer. And then with a beautiful and haunting voice, she sang a song called, It's Okay. And for it, Simon gave her the golden buzzer, but she couldn't continue because of the advancement of her cancer. The World Magazine article writes, it wasn't just her beautiful voice or vivacious presence in the midst of advancing cancer that so many fell in love with her. Her raw and emotive words were often marked by reckless hope. And even though she had given a 2% chance of survival, viewers struggled to comprehend where the courage came from. And with her cancer steadily advancing, an interview on CNN says, I'm planning my future, not my legacy. Some would call this blind denial, but I prefer to call it rebellious hope. And a year ago, she wrote these words in her blog. Count me among the angry, the cynical, the offended, the hardened. But count me also among the friends of God. For I have seen him in rare form. I have felt his exhale laid in a shadow Squinted to read the message he wrote for me in the grout, I'm sad too. I know it sounds crazy and I can't really explain it, but God is in there even now. I've heard it said that some people can't see God because they don't look low enough. And it's true. If you can't see him, look lower. God is on the bathroom floor. Jane Marzuski succumbed to cancer on February 19th. And although the Lord did not heal her physically, she received the ultimate healing in the presence of Jesus. And eyes that saw Jesus well saw him in perfection as she stood before 
the one she loved so much. Before our next steps, I want us to listen to a song that Tony's going to sing us called Blind Bartimaeus, and it captures the, the essence of this story, and, and you're going you're gonna to love it. My name is Blind Bartimaeus Make me something that I can't even see Caught up in my situation To useless eyes in a town of antiquity Little bit of change is my ambition Maybe some scraps of bread to make it through the night Not much could change my disposition I'm just trying to keep up with the desperate appetite In a place near Jericho Where the crowds don't seem to show love to a man like me That's alright, yeah, that's okay Cause my story's about to change Yeah, my story's about to change Heard the crowd emits some excitement Some said the facade would set people free Oh, I knew only hope was somewhere close by So I cried out, Son of David, have mercy on me Shut your mouth, blind Bartimaeus, some said the crowd Oh, but I can't take this darkness anymore Jesus called me forth, then he spoke power And the first thing that I saw was the face of the Lord In a place near Jericho Where the crowds don't seem to show love for a man like me That's alright, yeah, that's okay Cause I've been healed in Jesus' name I've been healed in Jesus' name And I'll never be the same Oh, I'll never be the same In a place near Jericho Where the crowds don't seem to show love For a man like me But that's alright, yeah, that's okay Cause I'll never be the same Oh, I'll never be the same I've been healed in Jesus' name I've been healed in Jesus' name I love the line of that My story's about to change You know that Jesus is a story-changing God
He redirects the trajectory of our life in the direction that he desires for us to go. So I want to suggest to you a few next steps that may be story-changing steps for you. The first thing is that I will cry out to Jesus for eyes to see. See, Bartimaeus really only had one shot. Jesus was passing by, and that might have been it. In Hebrews chapter 3, it says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Do not procrastinate on a decision to put your hope, your faith, and your trust in Jesus Christ. About a week ago, Charlie Morrow called me and shared a story of a friend of his that he celebrated his 51st birthday on a Sunday, went to work on Monday, and died of a heart attack. You just never know when your life will end. And whenever it does, make sure that it ends with you having made your peace with Jesus Christ as your Lord and as your Savior. And if you're believing in him, ask him to give you eyes to see all the more. Just as aging eyes weaken, sometimes our eyes can lose focus and faith. And we have the opportunity as a church not only to cry out to ourselves for mercy, but to cry out on behalf of others. And I'm sure you saw in your chairs these cards that are prayer cards. On Sunday, we kick off our prayer campaign and our multiple events to come together and to beseech God's mercy on those that we love and the needs that people have. And I would encourage you to write some names on this card and put it in the uh, baskets in the back, and as well as to join us in our different concert or prayer events, starting after Tom's sermon on prayer next Sunday. Number two, I will merge my way with his way. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And there is no better way than walking the way of, a, of Jesus in obedience, yielded to his purposes for our lives. So ask the Lord to give you the urge to merge your life with him, to walk in his way. And we are also called that I will practice the art of stopping. You see, Jesus calls us to be his hands and his feet, and he wants you and I to be good stoppers also. And I've got to confess that I am often so task-oriented and calendar-driven that on my best days, I probably get a C-plus in the art of stopping. I even once heard my kids when they were young, one asked to play with the other, and he snapped at them and said, I'm too busy right now. Guess where they learned that phrase from? So we have to realize that God may have divine appointments that are not on your Outlook calendar. And we should practice the ministry of interruptions and know when to hit the brakes for others. Last weekend, many of you in the church did this in a beautiful way. In partnership with Samaritan's Purse, we are sponsoring an Afghan refugee family. And in the gathering area, there was a three-page sheet that people could volunteer to, to donate household good items. And by the end of Sunday, everything on all three pages was taken, and that Afghan family's house that they're moving into is now fully furnished. Well done, church family. We practice the art of stopping. And in just a minute, we're going to see one final thing of someone who sees with eyes of faith as we have the pleasure of watching a baptism of Treasure Low. But before we do, one more eye exam to see how you're doing. 
from this message. Can you read that? All right, 2020 vision for Jesus. May it be so for you as you walk in this life. God bless you. Thank you so much, Pastor Mark. Hey, good morning, everybody. So as Mark said, one of the results of seeing Jesus with eyes of faith is following him and obeying through water baptism. When Jesus was on earth, he gave us the great commission. He said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So Jesus clearly intended for baptism to be an indicator a sign that we are his disciples, that we are following him by faith. And I have the special privilege of baptizing a a dear friend. This is Treasure, so come on down, Treasure. If you're over here and you can't see very well, you're welcome to stand or move around so you can see around the drum cage there. Hey, this is Treasure Lowe, and uh, he is getting ready in a couple of weeks to head off for Air Force basic training. And he's been a special friend and part of Lake City for about five years. Uh, Treasure actually got married a couple of years ago and then got stalled because of COVID. And anyway, Treasure, Jael, and this is their little baby, Ariana, who was born about a month ago. Very special. Well, congratulations. Thank you. And uh, since he is taking off uh, in just a couple of weeks for... Uh, boot camp, he wanted to get baptized before he goes, and I uh, love that, that kind of faith. So I'm going to ask him some questions, and then we'll do it. So have you trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Yes. Can you tell us about that, please? Yeah. As I was born in Democratic Republic of Congo in Africa, so I attended so many churches, which is Christian, so such as uh, Catholic, Salvation Army, and the Protestant. I knew what was right and wrong in the life of a Christian, but I was only a religious person. Until one day, one day, when I was in the 20s, one of the local churches had to show the movie in a public place. So while I went there, I watched Jesus' movie. So during the movie, I felt sad deeply in my heart and heard the voice repeatedly telling me, Jesus loves you unconditionally. So I decided to surrender and accepted Jesus that day. And I became a true Christian. Thank you. So many I've heard of who have uh, trusted Christ as a result of that Jesus movie. That's a, that's a powerful, powerful film. So do you have a favorite verse you want to share with us, Trezor? Yes. My favorite verse is of Philippians 4, 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Thank you. So, and Treasurer, you understand that your baptism today isn't to help you get saved. It's a public testimony of your faith in Christ and that you're following him. Yes, no. great. It's a privilege to baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, buried in the likeness of his death and raised to a new life through Christ.
Let's, let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for Trezor. We thank you for his faith in you and the way that you revealed yourself to him. God, we pray a special blessing on him as he heads off to a boot camp. God, that you will put people in his life that would be a great encouragement and support to him spiritually. We also pray for Jael and Ariana that you would uh, place people in their lives to encourage and support them with all the adjustments they're going through right now as well. God, protect my brother, and uh, Lord, I just thank you for this time to celebrate with, together as a church family the uh, eyes of faith that you've given him. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.